Tonight's reading is Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you can't really open up a text on the light of the world without thinking a little bit about what the Bible says about the world being in darkness. And that is a major theme in Scripture, no matter uh, how you cover it. Uh, Matthew, referring to the coming of Jesus, says that people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Many other texts talk about this idea of being in darkness. And so I was in my uh, office before the service, and I was going over this part of the sermon, the introductory, where I'm going to introduce you to this idea of the world being in darkness, and I'm looking out over the Hola Festival. <laughs> And our, I love uh, these festivals. Uh, I got to, to go to the Hola Festival kickoff and pray a blessing over the, the service. And uh, this is when our, I think our city comes alive. There's just so many good things that go on in, in, in our city this time of year. Beautiful weather. And so it's, it's just kind of odd, or at least it seems kind of incongruous, to, to start off with this idea that the world is in darkness. Uh, and I wondered, somebody coming in from the whole of festival just having a blast, and then the preacher somberly saying, the world you know is in darkness, welcome to the church. <laughs> so what does the Bible mean when it talks about this idea of darkness? It can't mean that there's no whole of festivals, because there are. It can't mean that there's no incredible autumn falls in East Tennessee, because there are. It can't mean that occasionally we come close to winning a football game, because sometimes we do. There are lots of good things that we celebrate in, in, our, in our world. I, I think what the Bible means by being in darkness is talking about another dimension of perception. It's talking about a spiritual darkness. It's talking about the ability to, to, to know the God of Israel and to hear His voice and to be in communion with Him. It's not saying that everything in life is bad and ugly and dirty. It's saying that there is a whole other dimension of existence that we're not born into, that in fact we're born out of. The Bible even says we're born children of darkness. And one of the great storylines of the gospel is that Jesus has come to rescue us from darkness, that he is the light of the world, uh, that anybody who believes in him will not remain in darkness. Uh, Paul writes in a similar vein, he says that we were once darkness, but now in the Lord we're light. Peter describes Christians as God's own people called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so that's, that's the background here, is that Jesus has come into a world of spiritual darkness. He is the light that has illuminated that world. And now he's gathered these 12 disciples around him, and he says, Guys, I'm lighting you up. You now are the light. And as we looked at last time, when we looked at salt, in the Greek it's the same thing. The you is emphatic, it's stressed, it's bold-faced. He is saying, you, yes you, you twelve, you are the light. 
I'm now passing it on to you. And remember, in the, in the ancient world, light uh, was not electric. Light was fire. And so what he's talking about is, is being on fire. He is saying, guys, I am now igniting you. He doesn't say you ought to be light, you should be light, you could be light, you might be light someday. If you do these things, you will be light. He says, before he tells them what to do, you are light because you share my fire. You're on fire. Well, during Advent, we we celebrate the coming of the light in the world. If you've been to our Christmas Eve service, one of the services in the church that the capital C church that I love the most is traditionally there's an Advent candle that we light representing the coming of the light in the world. And then we go out and we all have smaller candles and we come and we bring them to the bigger candle, the Advent candle, and we all carry away the light. And I think that's what Jesus is, is, is saying here, is that we've all been lit up. We are all on fire. Now, as I was thinking about that today, and and it took me a little while to make, because when I think of light, I think of these, I think of the LEDs and cell phones and alarm clocks. But the early person would not have thought of that. They'd have thought of flame. They'd have thought of fire. And it made me think of this conference uh, that's held every year in the desert called the Burning Man Conference. And uh, I've not been there. It's not actually on my bucket list to go there. But if you've heard about it, interestingly, they call it a countercultural movement. It's a parallel community, an alternative society. And if you go on their website, they have ten commandments that are at the root of the Burning Man uh, movement. Now, the values of Burning Man, I won't go into tonight. They're, you name the values of the kingdom of God, they're probably sort of opposite <laughs> of that. But there is an icon, there's a symbol of the Burning Man movement that you've probably seen. And we've got a picture up. That's not a human being, but a live human being, by the way. Uh, at the Burning Man conference, there's an effigy of a, of a human, a man, that is always lit on fire. And that, uh, that symbol of a man on fire is, uh, is the, the icon of the Burning Man movement. And when I was digging around in that this afternoon, I thought, you know... That's what it means to be a disciple. You're on fire. You have been lit up by the fire of Christ. Now, one of the things, and you can just keep that up. um, One of the things about fire is you can't light yourself on fire. The fire has to come from somewhere else. And, and that's one of, the, one of the, the beautiful things about the gospel is, is that Jesus, the light of the world, the torch of the world, the flame of the world, is the one who lights you up. You can't do it yourself. Blaise Pascal, 17th century French mathematician and scientist, has spent most of his life making a name for himself in the academy, but at the same time, he was on this spiritual quest for truth. And he had many long talks with his sister, Jacqueline, who eventually converted. Pascal still struggled. And then on November 23rd, 1654, he experienced what he called a definitive conversion during a vision of the crucifixion. And he wrote this, quote, from about half past 10 
in the evening until about half past 12, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers and savants, certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. And he wrote that down on a piece of paper, and when he died, they took off his outer coat, and they found that piece of paper stitched into the inside. So you can't set yourself on fire. He sets you on fire. Well, in the rest of this little text, Jesus uses a variety of metaphors to kind of work this out, to explain what it, what it means. He, he, he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, now, if you kind of put yourself in the ancient world for a moment, remember, darkness for them represented terror and danger. Uh, it, was a, it was a way of being hurt of being vulnerable. As a matter of fact, in, in the Old Testament, I wrote down some quotes. Um, darkness is associated, if you, if you just do a word study, with groping in the dark, with a house broken into, with night terrors, with a place where evil people hide, with the wicked shooting the innocent in an ambush, with violence, with stumbling, and with gloom. So that's what darkness meant in in the ancient world. And the worst thing that could happen to you was to be caught traveling after dark. And your only hope after dark was that you could find a city set on a hill that had some lights that would guide you to safety. And cities were put on hills because that was a way to protect them. And they usually had walls around them. And cities in the ancient world were known for a couple of things. They were known as being sacred places, even, even in other traditions. Cities were known as, as places where you could find community. Cities were known as safer places than being out in the wilderness at night. And cities were, were known as a place where you could find your purpose and your vocation. And so this image that Jesus is is saying, the church fathers uh, thought that it applied to the church. That the church was this city on a hill that was lit up by all the people's torches that are a part of it. All of your fires light up the city on the hill. And the person in the world is like a, a sojourner in a dark desert night who sees the light and then moves towards the light for safety and security. That's what the church is, a a fellowship of the inflamed. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. A lamp was the one luxury that a Palestinian peasant's home would have when the sun would set on the west Uh, the door of his house would be shut and the lamp would be lit. And to lose your lamp, for the lamp to go out, was seen as a terrible thing. There was a curse. Uh, If I cursed cursed you, I said, may your lamp go out. That was the, the ultimate curse because then you'd be plunged into darkness. So the worst thing that could happen was for your lamp to go out. In the Psalms, to have a lit lamp with a sign of blessing, the psalmist says, God, you will light my lamp. And so the last thing anybody would ever do in a house was to cover up the lamp with a bushel because it would take away the oxygen and and shut out the the light. So Jesus seems to be subtly warning us here 
about the danger of your fire going out. That we are uh, burning men. We're burning women. He's lit us on fire. That is who we are. That is our natural state. That is, that is who we are in Christ. Uh, but there are factors in life that cause the fire to go out and cause us to lose our witness. I was talking to a friend recently about, about his, his mother, who's a precious woman and godly woman, and I, I said, how, how is she? And, and uh, he, he said one thing. He said, her life has become very small. And I, I think in, in some way what he was saying was, her, her light's going out a little bit. It's not, not, not a lot burning there. Last weekend, I um, had the opportunity to go to this Leadership Tennessee retreat, and uh, I began to talk to this uh, young lady who was an intern at the Lipscomb University, which uh, kind of hosts the retreat, the, the leadership program over there. She was talking about this trip that she'd taken to Israel, and she's majoring in uh, reconciliation and she's getting a master's degree in conflict management. And so she'd gone to Israel to practice that. That's a good place to practice that. And I said, whoa, tell me about this. And I, I was really impressed with this young lady. She, she seemed, I was going to say she seemed hot. That's not what, I was using the metaphor of spiritual temperature. A, you know, I don't think of women that way. I never noticed those things. I'm a man of God. She was, she was uh, smoky or whatever you want to call it. She was, that's not better, is it? No. Christ's presence was warm in her. Can we, can we go with that? And, and I said, well, who are you with over there in, in Israel? And, and she said, uh, Don Finto. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. 1993, I had a meeting with Don Finto and a friend over in Nashville. He was the pastor of Belmont Church at the time that changed my life. I told you about it in the Spirit Baptism series. He was like, 60 then and and so this guy's almost 90 and he's leading people to trips in israel and she said well he can't go on the tour anymore but he leads the trip <laughs> so i guess he just sits there and talks i don't know but i thought okay here's this guy who's almost 90 and he's still on fire and here's this other precious lady whose light is going out what what's the difference I sat on my porch this afternoon, and I, I just journal. I just, just ask the Lord, I, I don't want to stop burning. How do you keep the fire going? And, and, the, and the, the first question I ask is, what puts it out? And the first thing I wrote was disappointment and suffering. And then I realized, no, that cannot be the answer. Because the people I know who are still burning, who are older, have suffered greatly. It's not like there's kind of a plan A and a plan B, and some of you get the no suffering plan, and some of you get the suffering plan. As far as I can tell, there's like one plan, and it includes suffering. And here's, here's the great mystery that I haven't figured out and, and, and let's keep trying to figure it out, is some people experience suffering and disappointment and come out with joy. 
and they look more like Christ. I didn't say happy. I said more like Christ. The flame is brighter, and some go through it and put it out. How do you restart that fire? How do you fan the embers of that fire? Well, I think we need to remember that the source of all fire is always Jesus. If if you feel like your flame is burning down, you, you got to get closer to Jesus. He's the source of all fire. And as someone told me earlier, they, they said, you know, the way you you ignite things as you get around other things that are hot. You've got to be around other people that are that are burning up. You won't be able to sustain spiritual passion and fire. If you're not around other people who are on fire. And if your fire is going out. That may be a sign that you're like one of those those twigs that have just gotten out of the fireplace and, and over on the side and just kind of kind of going out. You know, one thing I've, I've noticed, and I, th- I thought of this uh, Don Finto, I think he has a gift of fire starting. There, there's, there are people in the body of Christ, and I don't know the spiritual verse for this, but it just seems like there's people in the body of Christ who know how to ignite your fire. And you get around them, and usually they've suffered greatly, and you spend time with them, and you ignite again. This young lady, um, I, I, I said, you know, something is really going on in you. Tell me about how that happened. You know, she's in grad school in the middle of all these studies, and she started telling me this story about how uh, about two years ago, this kind of revival broke out in the alumni building. And uh, they didn't want the teachers to know. That's kind of an interesting thing at a Christian school. that you, <laughs> you want to hide the revival from the teachers. I don't know why they did that. But she thought, well, so they all started to meet like at 11 o'clock at night in the alumni hall. And uh, it was a secret thing. And people would hear about it. And they'd go over there. And they'd worship. And they'd pray to the wee hours of the morning. And God was showing up. The Holy Spirit was showing up. And she said, it changed my life. Well, she just, she, she she went to the fire. She found a place that was burning and put her stick in. I was talking to a young man the other day who I've known him since he was born. Uh, He went through hell. He put his parents through hell. Uh, He was probably one of the People that I'm humbled to admit that I gave up on in prayer and stopped praying for uh, because I was convinced he'd be dead or in jail by 18. And he was sitting in my office this week and he he wanted to write a book about how God had gotten hold of his life. And I said, how did that happen? And he he'd gone over to Love War this this worship night. Um, that that meets over on fifth and that area over in there, and uh, some Christian friends, some people who were burning, had started to come around him. This was two years ago, and he uh, 
he said, I don't really believe in this, but I'll go anyway. And in the middle of this worship night, he started to hear God speak to him. Someone came up and had a word that seemed right from the, the Lord. And he said, as the night went on, my hands were down here. Then they came up here. Then they came up here. Then they came up here. And by the end of the night, I was a believer. And for two years, he's been burning. He's been burning. I think those are some ways that we catch on fire. You know, one verse that comes to mind as I'm thinking about this, and I couldn't, I came, just happened before I came up here and I couldn't find the verse, but it's where the Lord says a smoldering wick. Remember that one? A smoldering wick he won't put out. And, and the idea is that that, that uh, sometimes, and of course lamps in those days had oil and a little bit of a, of a, of a wick and when the wick got real weak and the oil got real low, it would start to smolder and go out. And so the Lord is saying, uh, I have a special empathy for lamps that are about to go out. I'm not going to put you out. And so maybe one of the things you need to say tonight to the Lord and to your community, to your people is, I'm a smoldering wick. I feel like my lamp's about to go out. Would you pray for me? Jesus ends, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I, I can't imagine a better summary of the Christian life. Jesus says, I, I lit you on fire. Don't put it out. Don't hide. Don't be a secret disciple. Go out into the world and burn. You're already on fire. Just go light it up. You don't necessarily need a plan. You don't necessarily need permission. You don't, you don't need a, a four-step strategy. You're on fire. I've never been in a forest fire. Thankfully, I don't plan on being in a forest fire. But what little I've read about forest fires is they're not real strategic. They just burn. And they ignite anything that they get around. And so maybe instead of always working so hard and figuring out what I should do next and what's the Lord's will for my life and yada, 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 maybe just go burn. A great preacher... uh, that I often listened to in earlier days was described as uh, logic on fire. He was burning. He was burning with the truth. Philip Daves, one of our uh, members who plays the bass, when he's not playing the bass, is a uh, uh, professor at the business school, and he chairs this uh, this group of leadership scholars, and he takes them around to see different people. Well, he, he took them over to see the CEO of Altered States, uh, which for most of you young men and, and I, uh, you never heard of. But my daughter took me there. It's a uh, clothing store in the mall. And uh, now there's about 40 around the country. And when we went in there, Ashton and I, I, I thought, this is Something's different about this clothing store. Uh, and, and I noticed that there were just kind of subtle 
Christian uh, themes, that the, 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 the people that were working there were a little bit different than other people in other stores, that the, even the clothing just seemed wholesome and attractive and funky, but it just seemed kind of different. Well, that, that's a real marketing byline, it, wholesome, attractive, and funky. You can see why I'm not in, um, in, in clothing. Well, Philip takes, takes the, this uh, group of uh, business school students over to see, the CEO is here uh, in, uh, off Dutchtown Road or somewhere out there. And he's a, he's a Christian. And he just took over this, this line to, to, to burn in the fashion industry. And, and the more Philip started to talk to me about the kind of things that the guy's doing in the way that they're tithing their profits and, and building schools in Peru and empowering their workers, and, you know, just this wonderful model in the retail industry. He's on fire. And it's having an effect. Well, I'll end with this. Um, God speaks to all of us in different ways. He often speaks to me through images in literature, uh, as, as I was praying for tonight, and particularly about those of you that are smoldering wicks, those of you for whom the fire is dangerously close to burning out, for those of us that are, are trying to keep it lit. I, I thought about Dickens' novel, Great Expectations, and about the character Miss Haversham. And if you've ever read the book or seen, seen the movie, uh, Miss Haversham is jilted on her wedding day and becomes so bitter that she stays in her wedding gown with the wedding cake in a dark room for the rest of her life. And she trains this, this little girl uh, to hate men and break their hearts. And her whole purpose in, in the rest of the novel is to take vengeance on the rest of the world. And then, tragically, at, at the end of the novel, uh, she steps into a candle, and her old tattered wedding dress catches on fire, and she burns up. And I thought, that is, that is such a, a parody of what it means to be a disciple. And so often, it's the disappointments in life, it's the wounds in life, it's when life doesn't work the way that we thought it would, that we decide in our heart. I can't think of a better picture in literature of of how to destroy your spiritual life is to wall off the inside of your heart around that wound and to sit there and sulk in it and poison everybody that comes near you. And at the end, you'll be on fire, but it won't be the fire of the Lord. It'll be the fire of destruction. So I ask you tonight, are you burning? If you're not, talk to somebody you love. Talk to your people. Turn towards the fire.